One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. It's my screen time too. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. I have three kids. Tony is 11 and Libby and Nate are 7. And I have two kids, Jay is five and Kenny is two. Our kids are pretty adorable, aren't they? They mostly are adorable. (laughs) So we like to tell a quick story at the beginning of every episode about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are because we like to get the mom stuff out of the way before we start talking about the shows. So (laughs) have your kids done anything particularly adorable this week? This is more of a strange one. So my favorite fort in Nate's room Mm -hmm. and it's a card table with a blanket over the top and Libby loves it. She calls it her bunny hole. She's got some blankets in there, a pillow, all the Harry Potter books, (laughs) a little lamp, and she just likes to lay in there and read, which is fine. Sometimes she sleeps in there. The odd part is is that she's declared it like an autonomous zone (laughs) and she insists that it is not a part of Nate's room, even though it is in Nate's room. So Libby has sovereign land within Nate's territory? Yes, and if you say that she's in Nate's room when she's in the bunny hole, she gets irate. (laughs) What does Nate say about it? He is really agnostic about it. He has no opinion here or there, even though it's in his room. Okay, well, that's very chill on Nate's part. At least they're not fighting over it. Right. Well, then we would just have to take it down. But he just kind of shrugs. That's kind of cute. It's bizarre, and it's been going on for weeks, and I don't know how long it's going to last. Maybe all winter. Well, at least she's not, like, steadily expanding the size of the bunny hole and, you know, taking over Nate's room. That's a really good point. Yep, she's she's sticking to her initial land boundaries. <laughs> it's not a power <laughs> grab situation. She is happy with the limits that she's been given. <laughs> right. How about your kids? Have they un- done anything cute? Some of my favorite kid stories are the ones where my kids are annoying other adults, but really entertaining me. So uh, Jay and Kenny take private swim lessons right now because all group swim lessons are canceled. So they have a private swim lesson together. That's the two of them. And the pool that they take lessons at is deep enough so that when I'm sitting in the room, I can't see them when they're like hanging onto the wall waiting for their turn to swim with the instructor. So Kenny was fussing a little bit and having a hard time hanging onto the wall and like not getting distracted. So the instructor thought it would be a good idea early in the lesson to like lift him up so he could see that I was still there while he was hanging onto the wall and like give me a little wave. That was a horrible idea because every time the instructor was working with Jay, 
Kenny would like try and like muscle himself up onto the side of the pool just to like give me a little wave. And you could tell that it was really frustrating the instructor because she needs Kenny to like be safe while he's hanging onto the wall so she can work with Jay. But to see like just the top of his little head poke out over the wall and then like one flailing arm. (laughs) Just for a glimpse of his mama. It was so sweet. I'm like, Kenny is pretty confident in the pool. He's not like successfully swimming on his own yet, but... I'm not worried enough to the point where, like, he's going to let go completely and drown when he's doing it. So I'm kind of laughing but trying not to laugh because the instructor is clearly very frustrated with him. So long story, but it entertained me. (laughs) (laughs) In today's Screen Time in the News segment, we're discussing a November 2nd Science Daily article called... Teens who participate in extracurriculars get less screen time, have better mental health, which is a summary of a study out of the University of British Columbia originally published in Preventative Medicine. Here with us to dive deep into the topic of teens and screens is Poonam Saxena, host of the EDU Me podcast, a podcast that offers advice on bridging the gap between parents and schools. A gap that I'm sure we're all feeling very acutely right now in COVID times. Welcome to It's My Screen Time too, Poonam. We're so glad to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be talking to you ladies today. So I thought we'd just jump right in with a couple highlights of the study. It involved 28,712 7th graders from 365 different schools in 27 districts across British Columbia. And it found that mental health was strongest when teens both participated in extracurricular activities and spent less than two hours on screen time, with slightly worse outcomes for girls than boys as screen time increased. In the before times, schools were a primary source for extracurricular activities, and we're so focused right now on the amount of screen time kids are getting now that many of our kids are going to school virtually Poonam, have you found that schools are taking any steps to address the void left by the lack of in-person extracurriculars? Is that even a thing that we're thinking of right now? You know, I don't think so. And I, and I say that because um, I have a son who's currently teaching seventh grade math in Charlotte. And he relays to me frequently that it's a, you know, let's get it done today moment. Mm-hmm. It is not... What else can we offer? It is just covering what the curriculum is requiring. And especially in COVID times, and especially in his county, they are remote until the week of Thanksgiving. So just getting those students to show up in their virtual Zoom class is huge. Now, those students who are in classes We have to think about the safety precautions that they are taking Mm -hmm. to keep their students safe. So anything added is going to add more stress and anxiety to everyone. And when we think about team sports and, you know, I am a huge football fan, you know, I cringe at looking at these young people on the field tackling each other and, you know, they're, they're yelling and screaming and they're all these, you know, molecules are being 
you know, exchanged. That's the nicest way I can say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's not the time, I think, for us to do that. But at the same time, it's very crucial for our children to have something. Mm-hmm. They need to be engaged with someone that is not in the confines of their home. Right. And I, I don't know about you all, but I personally am feeling that. Like I'm going a little stir crazy. So I can only imagine that our children are feeling that at a, a higher level. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we need to find those ways that we can do so without creating physical challenges for them, i.e. being exposed. Right. So with that in mind, do you think that screens can be a partner in our extracurricular activities for kids? The study really emphasizes sports participation. I feel like that's what they were thinking about. And I think, you know, when we think about extracurriculars, we do think about sports. You know, we think about soccer and we think about, you know, football and we think about basketball. We really don't think about how can we do exercise without being on a team. Mm -hmm. And I believe teams are a great way for us to learn how to cooperate, how to work together so that when we get into the workforce, we can actually be a team player. Mm -hmm. So I think team sports has a hugely impactful piece in our life, but is now the right time. Right. And as we're talking about screen time, you know, if you're talking about how to get children to participate in safe extracurriculars, the screen is really the only way to do so. Right. So if you have an hour flute lesson, that's half of the screen time that this article is telling you. Well, you know, we all know that one hour of screen time for a teenager and an adult, honestly, is impossible. We're expecting too much. So this research was done prior to COVID. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a hugely important thing that we need to recognize in this particular article. But if you think about it, even in normal times, let's go back to pre-March. You know, pre-COVID, I don't know anyone who spends two hours or less on their phone. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, every person I look at at a red light is looking at their phone. (laughs) You know, you're walking into a store, everyone's on the phone. And, you know, if you're in a grocery store, you're going to have a traffic jam because somebody is parked in the middle of the aisle. And we're now expecting children to regulate themselves. So I, I, here's what, what I did with my children and it may or may not work for everyone else is that I made sure that they got their work done, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Whether it was their homework, if they were going to a lesson or they had a cl- an extracurricular class or a sport, all of that needed to be done. And if I saw any change in what they were capable of, then I started to pull back on, on the phone mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. devices. So I think it's a case-by-case basis. And I understand that they're putting a finite time on it, but I'm not certain that that's always a good thing. Because if you tell some, you know, if you tell me I can only be on it for two hours, 
I want to be on it for two hours and one minute just to show you I can. <laughs> right? Right. You, you know, and my kids. <laughs> <laughs> I think, too, that there's probably two different classes of parents. One that finds those concrete limits to be comforting so they know what to shoot for and others that find those concrete guidelines to be just another source of stress and another thing telling them that they're falling short in parenting their children, which let's face it is not something that parents need right now. I I think it's too much stress. We, we have, we are normally stressed as parents and now we're putting more stress on them. And trying to keep our children mentally healthy, and I know that's a huge part of this article as well, is keeping our children mentally healthy. Right now, we need to keep them safe and calm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens outside of that is a bonus. Right. And I I would assume, and I am, the article really doesn't tell us this, but I am surmising that the that they are looking at the global impact of how social media, let's take devices out. Yeah. They're looking at how social media is impacting our children. Yeah. And this seemed like a major flaw in the study is that they lumped all screen time together and just called it recreational screen time. When come on, what they're really saying is that spending hours on Facebook does have a detrimental effect on our kids' mental health. Or Absolutely. sorry, the kids aren't using Facebook anymore. Snapchat. TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> Come on, it's 2020. It's TikTok. <laughs> you know, but but think about what, what social media has done. And, you know, we'll use TikTok for the sake of the fact that we are in 2020. And I do have an account and I don't use it except for my husband and children send me TikToks. <laughs> Interesting dynamic, right? <laughs> so I watched there what they send me, but think about what impact that has. It, you know, and it goes back before we had social media, where we looked at the Nair commercials back in the seventies and eighties, and we looked at, um, you know, the oh sun in that we used <laughs> to spray in our hair, yeah, right? I remember. You know, because you want that copper tone look, so you want your hair to be blonder. You know, think about what society is putting into our feeds. And that goes way before social media. That's fair. That's right. True. Social media has just exacerbated it. And and it's put this this mindset that we need to be a certain way, that we're not okay with who we are and the way we look. Well, we've been doing this for years. Now we just have all access to it. And so I think social media is the culprit. If you're going to look for a culprit, that's it. Mm-hmm. With the mental health affecting, especially girls, this study pointed out that the girls' mental health was more affected by spending a lot of time on recreational screen time, <laughs> i.e. TikTok. So I think it serves our purpose on the podcast to say that TV and movies are not as detrimental as social media because TV and movies are our primary focus. But I do think this was a major flaw in the study is that they didn't separate out the different kinds of screen time that kids were using. Well, and 
you're, you know, you're talking about TVs and movies. Let's go to, you know, and, and we can pick hundreds, right? There's some great movies out there that give very um, enlightening, uplifting stories. But then, you know, the first thing, as soon as you said that, I thought, oh, Legally Blonde. <laughs> right? Right. Because our mean girls, you know, we're putting out uh, media that's not positive. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all of it. You know, obviously, there's some great media out there. But there, there's some that we we put out there because we think it's funny, but it's hurtful to someone else. And I think if you get to the gist of what this article is saying, that's what it's saying. That these girls are looking at these these media and assessing how they measure up. I would push back on that just a little bit sure. and because we've done a lot of research into screen time. And yeah. I think that's exactly where the parents being a part of the viewing process can help in watching movies like Legally Blonde or Mean Girls and helping their children to understand, you know, what parts are supposed to be comedic and, you know, navigating who the role models are or even if there are any in that situation. And I think that's so much easier when you're talking about sitting down and watching a movie together as opposed to looking over your child's shoulder as they're scrolling their Instagram feeds. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I, again, you take those two movies that I've cited, which, you know, they just literally came out of my head. <laughs> there wasn't much thought in those two movies. But but the they're also like you said, there are things to learn from them, things not to do. Right. Things that you can say, you know, how would you feel if you were in that situation and the roles were reversed? You know, so there's a lot of learning that can happen in those. But again, you're right. The parent has to be involved enough. And willing to be mm-hmm. involved, right? We have to have p- parents who are willing to be involved. And most parents are, but time is their their nemesis. Yep, yep, especially now. Especially now. And g- guess what? We're all looking at our computers all day long. Poonam, are your kids grown and out of the house? They are. I have four children, and they are all in college now. So we're empty nesters. So I totally resonate with the, the screen time and mental health equation because it's something that we all deal with. And when my children were going, growing up, they're all in their 20s now. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. My, my youngest two just turned 21 last month. So it's just really weird. But when mine were in middle school, you know, social media was just catching on and mm-hmm. We they were doing um, gosh I don't even remember what they were doing I think MySpace was still around when my oldest was in middle school but you know we didn't grow up with it right we don't really know how to navigate it we're the first generation of parents who has to incorporate social media into our parenting and we're honestly we're all just flailing about if you ask me trying to figure out what works. Oh, no, we're totally just relying on you to give us the concrete <laughs> guidelines that you establish with your old ki- older kids so we can apply them with our younger kids. You didn't you know really that was want- your job? 
Do you want me to tell you what I do with my kids? Oh, for sure. That would be great. Okay. <laughs> so at night, after I, w- I want to say like nine, I gave them till nine, their phones had to be on, you know, on the counter in a specified place in our home. They were not allowed to access it until the next morning. I had to have each of their passwords. They were not allowed to lock me out of their phones. That way I could go check and see what they were doing. <laughs> That's really smart. Yeah. In, but, but but part of it was, it was the texting. Like I could see what they were doing on social media because I was on their, I was on whatever platforms they were on. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the caveat for any social media that they joined. I had to be part of it. Now, honestly, I didn't know how to navigate most of it, but I would just periodically check in on that platform to see what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of my way of making them understand that I was on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't mm-hmm. know how often, but it was just, you know, it was in the back of their head that, oh, mom's going to be watching this. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we did was that we were very honest with them about it. We were very honest. Listen, this is not necessarily a positive platform. Mm -hmm. You're going to see things that are not age appropriate that you should not have to know about at the age of 13. And if you have a question, we're here. That's great. But what I was really checking when I was checking their phones was their texts. Because I can see their social media, but I can't see their texts on any other platform other than getting into their phones. Right. So the first first few years I did, I checked their texts to make sure there was no bullying going on, to make sure that they were having safe conversations, mm-hmm. that they weren't talking to people that they knew mm-hmm. and not just random people. And I know that I sound like a helicopter parent. But when it comes to social media, I I felt like that was my way of being able to ensure they were safe. And I think that's certainly something that we've read that the by now the accepted wisdom is that you have to be on whatever platform your kids are on. Right, Deborah? Right. And they have to be policed isn't the right word, but given guidance about how to behave in an online setting. And treating other people respectfully otherwise it's going to devolve into something like the poor children in this study who suffered from poor self-esteem after spending too much time on social media right absolutely the the other thing that would happen in our home was if they did post something that i did not think was positive and by the way they still post things that i'm like oh <laughs> you know, but they're, they're adults now, and you know, I, I have to give them their freedom of speech. But you know, uh, there are some cringeworthy tweets that go out that I'm like, eh, let's not, let's not do that. But when they were younger, I could go in and say, you know, you need to take that down, and they would go, why? And then I would explain it to them. This is these are the reasons that I think you should take it down. Now it's your decision, mm-hmm. and of course, my my. Silver bullet was, what do you think your grandmother would think? Because <laughs> obviously I have no clout, but their grandmothers have a lot of clout. I love that. And 
but you know, somebody <laughs> that they respect, somebody they want to, for for them to love them unconditionally, which they do anyway. But you know, there there is some some um, reason, inherent reason that you want your grandparents to love you and be proud of you, right? And maybe that tweet's not the way to get that. That's great. If they're not going to do it for mom, they're going to do it for grandma. I like that. <laughs> yeah, well, they're good. Or someone or someone else, you know, and and whoever, mm-hmm. you know, somebody that they respect. But you have to use that one sparingly. Because you, when you overdo it, you, they're not going <laughs> to, they're not going to listen to you anymore. You know what? This is super helpful because we are always expressing some degree of low-key anxiety of how we're going to deal with when our kids are eventually old enough to have phones and social media accounts. So it's really helpful to hear someone's perspective who's been through it and who has been through it fairly successfully. <laughs> yeah, fairly successfully. There are some, like Again, you know, they're, they're kids and they want to express themselves. The only things that I would not allow them to post or I would make them take down was something about a teacher or another student right you can you can be angry and go you know I didn't play tennis well today okay that's fine that doesn't bother me oh Mrs. So-and-so was really mean in class today because that's not okay how would Mrs. So-and-so's child feel if they read that Mm -hmm. how would you feel if someone said that about me you know, so, so turning those into reflective questions, I think gives them a little more pause before they post. This was a really fascinating conversation. I have to ask one more question of you, Poonam, before we let you go. What sure. is your best piece of advice for parents who are struggling with balancing academic and recreational screen time right now? Right now in COVID times, I'm going to say take a deep breath because everyone is struggling at some level and there is more anxiety and stress than ever before and our children are not getting the social interaction that they need to develop properly and if they're able to get it through a screen which i oh i hate to even say that but but in a purposeful way then i think it's very it's important mm-hmm. I don't think it's okay to play bubble blaster for six hours. And I'm guilty. (laughs) And I am guilty of that, by the way. (laughs) But, you know, it needs to be meaningful interaction with people because I think socialization is on the brink of non-existence right now. And we we all need that. We're we're social beings. Right. So I would say, I would tell parents, take a step back. And as long as they're safe, it's okay. Great advice. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk with us today. Tell us all about where listeners can find the EDU Me podcast and hear more from you about how parents can be more effective partners with schools in their children's education. All right. So you can find me and all the stuff that I do at edu-me.net. I am actually working on an Educademy that I'll be launching in January, and it will be taking different topics that we parents are struggling with 
and turning it into a focused deep dive seminar. So currently I'm doing weekly webinars on Facebook, but I'm taking them into the private sector and really trying to help everyone with what they need. So I believe, and you guys are the first ones to know this because I had an interview earlier today and I did not disclose it. January's module is going to be time management. We all struggle with it. We all can be better at it. And I feel like with four children, with the age span of four and a half years, I had to become a good time manager. Otherwise, nothing was going to happen. So January, we're going to be talking about time management. And please, if you're interested, let me know. We will be sending out more details and information about the module come in the next couple of weeks. So that's what I'm working on. EDU Me, the podcast is on almost every platform that's out there. We currently are doing weekly podcasts, but I'm going to scale that back next year to bi-monthly because I want to do deep dives into in January time management. And so both of the podcast and the module will be focused on that. Great. And like you said, something we could all use right now. And in time management, we time management, we will be talking about stress because that's a huge part of time management. Well, we look forward to any help you can give us on that front for sure. <laughs> you are welcome to come join me on the journey. I will, I'll be happy to sit down with you. And included in the module will be like, uh, will be a 30 minute personal one-on-one coach, coaching time with me. So we can actually look at your schedule and we can figure out how to make it more efficient. Awesome. Well, listeners, be sure to check that out. And thank you again so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. I want to ask if you have any follow-up from our last episode. And I wonder what you watched on election night. Well, listeners, if you don't know this, on election night, I was in the happiest place on earth. I know it's a little controversial right now to be going to Disney World. I went alone with my husband, and I have to say, for two adults who are capable of managing their own expectations and, like, not interested in getting on every ride, Disney World felt, like, downright safe. I saw more people in masks there than I do on an average day in my hometown. So I was, in fact, not watching anything on election night. I was, like, pleasantly strolling around Epcot. That sounds wonderful. What did you watch? I did not follow through on my plan to watch Izzy's Koala World, and I didn't watch Disney Plus's Denimation. I got home from the polls really pretty late, and I checked on MSNBC, and then I exercised great restraint, and I just went to bed early. I'm hearing that from so many people. I think it's a smart way to protect your own mental health. And guys, we're recording this a week out. A week and change out from election day and like stuff is still going on. You will hear this two weeks from now. So who knows? But (laughs) it's important to protect your own sanity during this time for sure. 
And I think when it gets to be too much, I am going to piece out to some animation. Mm-hmm. I like it. So today we are talking about a movie titled The Secret Society of Second Born Royals. Lots of alliteration in the title. It premiered September 25th, 2020 on Disney+. Plus. It's directed by Anna Mastro, who doesn't seem to have much of a background in kids' TV, but she's directed episodes of really good shows like The Bold Type, Unreal, one of my favorites, <laughs> Shame the Virgin, Shameless, grown-up stuff. So we were curious to see what sensibility she brings to content for kids. And Disney Plus promoted this pretty hardcore. It was hard not to want to watch it. Mm -hmm. So the plot of The Secret Society is that it's a training program for second-born royals like Prince Harry who don't have a lot of uh, familial obligations related to the throne, but they have special powers and there's forces at work that they need to stop in order to save the world all the time. Their work never ends. We picked it because we thought it would be fun to compare two different teen products. Um, we watched Julian the Phantoms. You can listen to that review. Um, very recently and now we're trying out Disney Plus so don't worry preschools don't worry preschool parents and preschoolers we see you we'll get back to you soon I have so many thoughts but first I will just ask you actually first I will tell you that when I wrote this doc and up until the moment that I started watching the movie, I totally misunderstood the concept. And I thought when they said second born royals, for some reason, my head just kind of mutated that into like, it was going to be reincarnation of like old famous royals. Like the second time they were born, not like the second born in their family. So I thought it was going to be like clone high style, like, um, the reincarnation of Catherine the Great and like Genghis Khan and they all get together to form some sort of super team. So I was a little bit disappointed when I found that it was really just like a Prince Harry fanfic. Um, And you texted me about the show and you, I think it was just like an autocorrect, but it went to secondhand Royals, <laughs> which is a really funny title. Yeah. If it were that, but yeah, it, the, the title is, bag enough I can see where you would think that it would be about reincarnated royals which is something I would totally watch Mm -hmm. well what did you think of the actual plot that we watched I enjoyed it I like a crime fighting caper what did you think (laughs) you're closing your eyes (laughs) I'm sure it had to do with two things my current dissatisfaction with the let's just call them ruling classes in America and how they interpret their obligation to the, let's just call it common people of America. And also the fact that we just watched Julie and the Phantoms. That was so good and so realistic in a way that this was not. I kind of hated this movie. My gosh. Yeah. Like, We'll try not to do too many spoilers, but the main character, 
Why am I blanking on her name? Sam? Yeah. Okay. The main character, Sam, is a second-born royal of a fictional European country where all the action takes place. I don't know why all the royals congregate in this one teeny tiny country. It's kind of like Disney animated movie style where the kingdoms seem to just be a city. Right. So Sam is dissatisfied with the fact that she's expected to behave like a civilized human being. And so she wants to rock and she goes out in the street and like calls for revolt against the monarchy with like no seeming understanding about what that means. You know, she's 15 years old, right? She should have some understanding of the kind of power she holds in society and an appropriate way to wield that power. And instead, she's just like a mopey teenager being like, nah, I want to play my guitar, not be responsible for the fate of an entire nation. Wake up, kid. Maybe I've just drunk the Kool-Aid about how Gen Z is way more woke than previous generations, but I feel like they took this plot from a kid's movie from our day, and I was just kind of disappointed in Sam. I don't think that today's youth would be that irresponsible. Am I giving them too much credit? I think you are right in that it does seem, and probably the screenwriters are like our age, Mm -hmm. and following that trope of rebellious second-born royals, Um, Because I think if you're ages 35 to 40, you've been aware of Prince Harry and his shenanigans and his reform and his abdication of his royal responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I thought that Sam was really endearing. (gasps) You know how I love like a non-traditional casting decision? And this is a country in Europe called Illyria that is sort of modeled after Luxembourg I guess yeah I mean like any small pretend country is sure (laughs) and the queen is Asian looking and the princesses Sam and her older sister who's about to become queen are Asian looking and I just I loved that the diversity in casting was definitely impressive I do have to ask you kind of on a side note Why, whenever there is an Asian lead character in an American movie, do they always have a white dad? That's a really good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, because I'm thinking of To All the Boys I Loved Before, which was a movie that I loved. White dad. Also, I guess, not an Asian family, but African-American family, the new uh, Wrinkle in Time reboot, white dad. Like, why is it a... Yeah, why is it okay to have a multiracial couple, but it's always white dad, non-white mom? I'm not sure. Can we talk a little bit about the weird special powers that they had to totally change the subject? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay. These super, quote-unquote superpowers <laughs> didn't make a lot of sense to me. One of the second-hand, second-hand royals had invisibility legit superpower mm-hmm. Sam herself had super senses which me- meant that she could smell really well she could see really far away she could hear things out of uh, scrum of noise background noise and pick out conversations so those are fine another 
secondhand royal named January. Her power was that she could take away other people's powers. Mm-hmm. Mateo could control insects? Is I... that... Yeah. You've watched a lot more superhero movies. Was that a creepy one to you? Because I found it really creepy. Well, I felt bad for Mateo, and I'm going to dunk on this movie all throughout we're watching it but Mateo is like the misfit character that finally finds his place among this superhero team which I was all for I like that as a trope but the poor kid also got the lamest superpower like I control insects although he does at one point get a bunch of butterflies to fly around the object of his affection and that was kind of a fun scene Yeah, and he does, like, send an emergency fly to, like, contact Sam at a crucial moment, which, like, I think even if I knew in the back of my head that a friend of mine could control insects, I would still be like, oh, there's a fly buzzing around my head. And, like, my first instinct would be to be annoyed, not to be like, what is it, girl? Is Timmy stuck in the well? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and these, these powers were just perplexing to me, like, one of the royals could get anyone to do anything just by telling them to do something, which would be helpful as a parent. It also seems like it probably could have cut the whole plot off at its knees. Right. (laughs) And then one of the teachers, his superpower was duplicating himself. I don't know. I, I wasn't super impressed with these superpowers. Agreed. It was definitely a motley collection of abilities. And some of it seemed, like, ham-fistedly applied as a way to, like, teach the kids important lessons about life. Like, the girl who could turn invisible was the one who was actually obsessed with being seen by everybody on social media. And the boy who could just tell people to do things and they would do it was the one who was obsessed with being charismatic and getting that external validation. So, I don't know. Disney does tend to stabilize stories you know the subtext was all text there was no there was no deeper meaning to anything they put it all out there on the plate very explicitly for you to see which is not uncommon in these teen shows and I have sat here in this very chair with this very microphone and raved to you about teen beach movie but for some (laughs) reason and I think it really was affected by the fact that we watched Julian and the Phantom so recently I just I couldn't take it with this one I wasn't in the mood to indulge this kind of fantasy and I do think it's also the times in which we are watching this and recording because the message was really like Sam is anti-monarchy but then she battles her uncle who's like a populist revolutionary I don't, I, I don't want to spoil it, but then Sam goes along with her sister's plan for very incremental change. Yeah, and the anti-monarchy, pro-democracy angle is the one thing that is not well explored, which is weird because it seems to be, I mean, that's the villain they're fighting. You'd think they would come up with a more explicit message on that front, but they don't. Because, guys, ultimately, it's just ruling a single city because that's all these countries are. (laughs) So did you recognize any of the actors? Only the teacher, Skylar Astin from Pitch Perfect. Mm -hmm. He was like their big get, which feels weird. (laughs) 
he was good. He's kind of an adorable actor, I think. He is definitely adorable. I thought he had some of the funnier moments in the script that was lacking in funny. You know, and I looked into some of the writers, too, and they also came, for the most part, from more grown-up shows. And you brought up a little bit off the top about how the grown-up sensibility of the director might affect the movie. I didn't... It wasn't a particularly smart script as far as, like, zingers or anything. Right, right. We've definitely watched shows and movies for this age group that are more fun. Did you have any favorites among the characters? I really liked Sam, played by Peyton Elizabeth Lee. She was really good. She didn't annoy (laughs) you? She didn't annoy me at all. Deborah, even at the end, when like she had been embraced into this society of second-born superheroes, lots of S's, let's hope my pop filter can handle it, and she went to her sister's coronation, you'd think she would be more inclined to take the whole thing seriously, but no, she still has to wear combat boots and fingerless gloves with her coronation dress. Deborah. She's a rebel. Don't care. You can be a rebel in other ways. Like, be polite <laughs> to your family. Your sister's going to be freaking queen. Like, get your head out of your bum. Sorry. Oh I had no tolerance for Sam and her shenanigans. <laughs> Speaking of her dress and outfit at the coronation, I did think the costume design for this show was really fun. To a certain extent, but a lot of things looked really budget which for like a big promoted Disney product I didn't expect okay what stuck out as budget to you some of the costuming like the like the fancy dress seemed a little budget um on all of them the only one I really liked was what's her name January was January's dress. I thought that was like appropriately high fashion for the event. Um, I don't know. It just kind of looked more like a stage set than a fully realized world, I guess. Okay. I watched it mostly on my phone. May have helped. I watched it on a 60-inch television. Okay. I wonder if the difference was there, although I don't think I'm quite as observant of those details as you are. What did you think? Because I know these are the details that you are observant about. Sam was a rock star. What did you think about her music? They played a couple of songs, like she and her friend, in the beginning that were, I mean, just like a two-chord punk song. And then she (laughs) riffs a little bit later on. The for a movie about a protagonist who's a musician I didn't think there was a lot of music to go on that's true they kind of just started ignoring that when she became a superhero yeah and coming off of Julie and the Phantoms that was a little bit disappointing Mm -hmm. agreed so what adult movie or TV show does this compare to I mean we're definitely in peak superhero right now right like We have all the Avengers movies. We have a whole new slate of Avengers movies coming out. So if anything, it made me think of those alternative, gritty superhero shows that we've seen lately. You have The Boys, which I believe is on Amazon, about like a misfit team of superheroes. 
and also the one that I did like Doom Patrol on HBO Max about a misfit team of superheroes. It made me think of those, although I've not seen the boys, but I imagine both of those are significantly better than this. <laughs> How about you? What did you compare it, it to? It made me think of that old show Heroes. Oh yeah. It's not that old, but Hayden Panettiere was in it mm-hmm. and I wonder whatever happened to her. Well, she went on to be on Nashville for years. Is that show still going? Oh gosh, I forgot all about Nashville. Nashville and Zachary Quinto was in that. Oh my gosh, what has he been doing lately? I know he was Spock, but yeah, that was a good show. Save the um, cheerleader, also... save the worlds. <laughs> it also made me think a little bit about the Breakfast Club, which is just a movie from our youth. Just a bunch of kind of misfits thrown together. Also, where the nerdy one gets the bum deal. He finally has friends, but he still has to write their freaking essay. (laughs) Were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot? I only cast Sam. And I will tell you why. I was watching something on a streaming platform that still involved ads. So maybe like Hulu or something like that. And Maggie Q comes on. And I didn't watch the whole ad but she was advertising something having to do with making pooping easier. And I thought, oh, Maggie Q, like, remember when you were on the Nikita reboot and you were all badass? What are you doing on a poop commercial? So I thought, let's make Maggie Q Sam because she needs something to do. And even if they don't make the writing better on the gritty HBO reboot, at least she'll be getting paid and she won't have to make poop commercials. Oh, poor Maggie Q. I know, right? I mean, I hope she's getting some good money out of it, but... I also just cast Sam as Aparna Nanshula. Oh, I like that. She'd be funnier. She's really funny. And I would like Meghan Markle to make some cameos in that show. That would be winky. Yeah, I mean, she's a real live royal and a real live actress. I like it. And... I think if anything could elevate this content, it would be a zingier script. Like if it had sharper writing, I think I could have forgiven a lot more of the plot tropes. Sure. Was it better when we were kids? You know, when we were talking about this offline, you mentioned The Princess Diaries, which I feel like is a really good analog Did I just have more tolerance for the whole, like, cranky royals who don't realize the gift they've been given when I was younger? Mm, I think The Princess Diaries is a real classic Mm -hmm. from that time period. I mean, it has Julie Andrews. You can give a lot a pass if Julie Andrews is involved. Yeah. And Anne Hathaway. I know she rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but she's a good actress. I like her. Yeah. Did you ever watch those and we were a little on the old side when they came out it was like two competing movies about daughters of presidents who like just couldn't stand being in the white house with the secret service so they like escaped and met a boy and blah 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 and i'm pretty sure one of them had katie holmes and the other of them had mandy moore if you want to just like situate it in time I remember. I remember. I yeah, wonder. I think it was better when we were kids. I wonder how watching those like president's kid escapes life <laughs> of 
obligation and luxury movies would strike me now. I think I'd be a lot more angry with the characters because I just have so little tolerance for the, oh, life has given me a platform to make change in the world. I'm so moody about it. (laughs) Would you, I know the answer to this question, (laughs) but I am obligated to ask it. Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? No, I watched it alone for this podcast because... I mean, in hindsight, I'm glad I didn't subject my children to this, but I just assume that they're not interested in the teen content. And I'm upset that I even did that. So I would never watch this alone voluntarily. Heck no. How about you? I would not watch this alone voluntarily. No. 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. Racially diverse cast is a positive. Female protagonist, also a positive. Highlights a friendship between a boy and a girl that never becomes romantic, also a positive. That said, I'm hoping that by the time my kids are interested in teen content, I will have many more examples that show those very same positive things that are better products. Yeah, I think it's totally fine for kids. I would have no problem if my kids wanted to watch it. Ratings? Two? Oh my gosh, Katie. This is hard. I liked it a lot more than you did, but you are talking me down. (laughs) I love it. Come to the dark side. (laughs) So I'm going to give it a three and a half. (gasps) All right. Fine. I'll take that. (laughs) Listeners, thanks for listening to me rant about the, I'm not even going to remember the title. I'm not even going to say the title again. (laughs) These secondhand royals. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. And you can also find us on all the social media platforms. Well, not all of them, really. Just Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even good old Gmail at myscreentime2. Please send us your show or movie suggestions, any article recommendations you'd like to see us cover for screen time in the news, or just general comments about the show. We love to hear from you. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. 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 Bye.